Chris McFarland, who took over for Joe Sakic's GM, he he literally was like, "Oh, we're hoping to get um, Landeskog back for the playoffs this year." And I'm like, "That's what they said last year." I'm like, "Whatever, I'm over it." What is what is I, wrong with him? I don't want to fucking what talk about it. No, what, what's his injury? You know, I can't even remember what. He what do? Like, fucking, he must have done something serious to be out for two fucking full seasons, bro. Yeah, like, it, but the recovery on it, but That's was it, saying. was it something to do with his back, or was it the, You're like, did or he was it, or no, no, it's not a spine thing, maybe it's, uh, what's that other one that, the like, the sports hernia stuff, like, if you have to do a hip replacement or something like that, something like that, that affects your ability to skate. Something. I also uh, have like By- Bowen Byram only played forty two games last year. Oh fuck, that kid's got to stay fucking healthy. He needs to stay healthy. He's 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 sick, man. He be I feel like he'd be a number one on a lot of teams. But okay, like, so so I threw I threw that one to you. Well, if he could stay fucking healthy, I threw That's that one. Thing. He's a glass man. Yeah, I threw that to you as a comparable on the AAV to fucking Drysdale. Because I was like, 6.9 for Drysdale, who also hasn't really played it's, a it's over, it's over three years, though, right? It's like, it ends up being like two point something AAV, no? No, 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 no. That's 6.9. Wasn't it 6.9? It's not 6.9 per. No, man. It's over three years. Oh. So, yeah, it's like two point something. That's why I was like, what are you talking about? It's not a bad deal. It's a great deal. You yeah. thought it was 6.9 per? Yeah, I did. I no, like, man. It's, what it's the like fuck two, is going on with that? something, man. Okay, just hold on a second. Holy fuck. Why the <laughs> fuck? Well, it's a fucking fuck. 6.9. That'd be crazy. Well, that's what I thought. I'm like, At why are they point, paying him? You know? Oh, he hasn't like, done anything to make 6.9 per. That's, that's crazy. Well, yeah, that's why I was like, what the fuck? Oh, it is a 2.3. All right. Oh, fuck. There goes that. that. There you go. I that's why I was saying I was saying Byram isn't even making five, and I take Byram over Drysdale. Um, yeah, got your back, homie. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Shit, fucking, and I don't even know. Will we? I think we'll just skip a whole episode to talk about those deals. Fuck what that. About, uh, how many games? I should have it in front of because looking early, but I guess I could just check my phone. Just check it. Um, how many games McKinnon was out for a period of time last year? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like he how was. Many, it was seemed like it was fairly substantial, wasn't it? Mm, I should actually I should put the depth chart up and that'll have it. Yeah, he played 71 games last year. So he missed he missed 11 games. That's that's a fairly and he still put up 111 points, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, he's that good. He's that good, yeah. For yeah. sure. But that's that's nuts to have him missing. What about uh, what about Rantanen? Did he miss any time last year? No, no, he was fucking stellar, full eighty-two. He's good. He's good all year. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Fifty-five goals, eighty-two games, but McKinnon still finished with more points in less games played. In less games, in yeah, in in seventy games or whatever, seventy-one games. Yeah, yeah. Those two, those two are killer combo. Yeah, which is that's what's so crazy. Like, imagine if Landis got, you know, wasn't broken somewhere, lying down in Sweden. <laughs> broken somewhere. Like, get out the milk card for Landis got. You know, can we find him? Can we find him, please? Where'd he go, man? 
He's the but, captain of the team. He's just gone. Well, that's like, oh yeah, I did. That's where I started the, our episode with the uh, where you did the guest with the Lowry thing, right before we decided we could do this full time. And I started with the captains, and I was kind of like, well, technically, Landeskog's been like the longest serving, but. He hasn't played in over a year. He's not so, playing. This so year. who's wearing it? Doesn't him even count. Who's there wearing is, all these Nobody. You don't nobody? give the yeah, you don't give the captaincy to somebody else because of an injury. Well, yeah, but he's gonna be out for two years. This is not like he's out for two months. Yeah, no, I but mean, they dis A's. So like, you know, all right, yeah, fair enough. Car- Respect. Makar kind of wears an A and McKinnon wears an A and I, I don't know who else. Like those two usually wear A's. Do you know Jonathan Drew was back in camp this year? Do you know? Do you know what happened with him? Yeah, he signed a cheap deal, man. That's a. Good I know that's what I'm saying. Do you know what, what's happened with him within the camp? Is he expected to make the squad? Yep. Because oh, that's yeah. a super interesting subplot, eh? Like, just I know Drew like just bombed really. Underachieved substantially, like that—that's an understatement. But remember how, in junior, how ridiculous he was with McKinnon. I'm not saying he's going to play with him, but maybe he'll get some power play time. Because what's the point of having him on the team if you're not going to use him for that? But uh, he doesn't really have a fourth line skill set, so it's just interesting. I wonder if they're just taking a flyer on him. You know, that's what you call it. taking a flyer on a guy that had a lot of a high ceiling, but has really severely under underachieved. You know what I mean? Yeah, they did because of the. And uh, pay him nothing, right? Yeah, but the the McKinnon factor was the was the key on it. Oh That's... well, yeah, him and McKinnon together. Remember, he he had the highlight reel goal of highlight reel goals back in the day, like uh, just before the just before he got drafted. Yeah, like they played that? together in like... junior. They played together in junior. That's the whole thing they're trying to recapture. There's That's a couple teams that tried to do that. That's the whole it's thing with Connor Brown and and McDavid. That's the same concept. Connor Brown and McDavid play together. Yeah, and and play. also also there was the other. Who was the other one? There was another where a team took a flyer on a guy because he played junior. Um, oh, actually, it's a uh, Niederreiter and Johansson, Ryan Johansson. When Nashville signed him, Johansson and Niederreiter played junior together. And they were trying to recapture that, and they didn't really recapture it because of the who. Well, they never had a third winger on the line, but they apparently had good numbers in junior. So now, um, Niederreiter ended up moving on, but they there was that talk of those two together. There's been a couple attempts by teams to to fire that up. Welcome to another edition of Sharpshooters, Tim Bigelow, along with Warren Smith, and you'll hear this right after you hear the intro, when I uh, do all the uh, editing and put it into the podcast form for you that your uh, ear candy will enjoy, and should mention, because we didn't, we're using a uh, song that was one of the bands that Warren was in, so So Sick, that song is a 
song with uh, your band. Why don't you talk about that just for a bit, Warren, about the band and and uh, a bit about your lead singing background too. We're, we were a hard rock band, like Rise Against meets like Ten Second Epic or something along those lines, I guess. Yeah, that would be. We were, we were just we were just hard rock with uh, catchy melodies. I like the Rise Against version. If you just take out their big hit song, which that's was, what that's how I'd say the So Sick yeah. song is. But yeah. uh, our other songs are, I'd say, like a little bit more commercially driven kind of thing. But So Sick was definitely the one of the more punk songs that we did. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But that was that that wheelhouse on it. Anyways, the band was After Trust. Um, if Warren at some point mentioned, if you look up Warren actually on won't on the Spotify, won't won't uh, yeah. You, You'll have uh, the Warren, Warren John Smith music. Yeah. And you can check it out on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. You can. And find that's it. my old band, Servants of Society, which uh, Tim checked out years ago as well, came to some shows and shit. Yeah. I'm and thinking... that was, that was kind of like a Nirvana based band, heavily influenced by Nirvana. Yeah. Absolutely. But the, yeah. but the heavier stuff, like for sure. Like, I, because, you know, like people, people often forget like Nirvana had the more, they kind of did the really heavy, you know, you know, I guess grunge stuff, but they also did like, you know, kind of more acoustic, they like the unpopular unpo- ones, like lithium yeah. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, no. yeah. So yeah, but then you take like some of the other stuff, like they did, like Polly and some of those other songs, are you know they're kind of more stripped down. People forget about that too, right? About a girl, yeah, yeah, and that's the same thing. Like when you say Rise Against, it's like yeah, but you're meaning Rise Against, not like. Like, you know, rise against audience of one. You're not talking like, you know, swing life away because swing life away is no, like the no. one song everybody knows that is least reflective of that band's actual catalog. That's like, I'm like talking like black masks and gasoline. And yeah. Yeah. Tracks. yeah. Blood to bleed and shit like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's actually how we got to know each other. Hey, back in the day. Remember you, when we were at a buddy's uh, wedding social, I believe it was. And, uh, uh, you came out to the car. Uh, I think one of my other bandmates might have been with me too. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, we were listening to, listened to the CD. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have vehicles that had uh, Spotify back then, and yeah. uh, I hooked you up, and then you know coming out to a couple shows. Yeah, for sure, those are good shows. There was yeah. one. I don't know if it was the Albert or somewhere else. There's one show that was just off the charts, crazy. I think we covered rape me and dive or something like that yeah you still always some... do something called necessary nirvana just like how power 97 used to have uh mandatory metallica yeah so that was the thing play originals and then do a little nirvana okay so we are going to do our anti-predictions for the central division which basically means like we did for the pacific division now we're going to do it for the central division go through the teams talk a bit about the changes talk about some players we think might have breakout years and kind of approximately where we think these teams are going to end up, but we're not really, you know, etched in stone on our predictions. So we really are going to go in the order from, from last year. And I know we spent a lot of time talking about the goaltending when we did the uh, Pacific division stuff, when um, the athletics rankings came out recently in an article about the goaltending tandems rating them not surprisingly nashville winnipeg dallas were all listed up in uh, the top 10 of uh, the league never mind you know the division and that's a, a big uh, drawing point for 
um, teams in the central division. Like we talked about that last podcast about the better goaltenders are in the central division, not the Pacific. Yeah. I would say, I'd say Dallas, Winnipeg and Nashville. They have the, remember we were talking about last podcast about having the old school, like that one stud goalie. But I think like as a tandem, those are the best teams too. Like the Pacific has no goaltending unless Markstrom has a rebound year. Actually, Minnesota was the other team I forgot that was included in that list, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. They had, uh, they have Flurry. He, he was, he's like their backup, right? Yeah. Well, this year, technically, Augustus their starter, right? Their yeah, guy. yeah. Yeah. Well, they're going to try. I'm surprised looking at, at stats how good they are. They were pretty great last year. In the regular season, they were. He kind of fell yeah. off in the playoffs, but like really good. We're going to, we're going to start off the top with, um, well, the champs of two years ago, Colorado, and they made a lot of changes in the off season, but not with the goaltending and not with the defense. That's pretty what it was. And arguably I would have said last year, and I still kind of at full health. And anytime you talk about Colorado, and I mean, we, we talked about it like the captain Landeskog is, this will be the second consecutive year that he's, not probably going to play the regular season at all in full health. That top six D group is in Colorado is well, I take it over any other teams right now. Maybe. I think uh, uh, that's, that's what other teams are trying to copy. Like they're trying to copy Colorado's defense a little bit since they won the cup a couple of years ago, even before that, you know, they could uh, Colorado there, the way they move up in the play, uh, is unbelievable, and then the way they interchange with their offense as, as a five-man unit. I, that's why I have Colorado uh, winning the Western Conference this year, if, if they can stay healthy, and that's a big if, considering uh, Nishushkin was out for a huge chunk of the year last year. Uh, McKinnon was out for an 11-game stretch, which isn't huge, but not what you want. And then, of course, like you said, Landeskog there, like we don't know what happened to him. Like we were joking um, – if it was uh, the milk carton situation again, like Marco Dano back in the day, like can we find him in some Swedish uh, massage parlor? Does he live there now? Did he get did he get shot in the spine? Like why is he out for another year? The knee. It's the knee, by the way. I looked it up. They the were knee. bringing it up. What is it? Yeah. Lower body injury. Eh? Yeah. Well, it's his knee was basically he had to get surgery on. So that's what's and it's just basically there must be some like chip bones in there or something like that. Like. But it, it's been one of those Something things that's been fun. hard to recover from. Like, yeah. after last year and that loss to Seattle, Colorado did two things. They basically said, okay, we won, and with this group, we need to go all in to win with this group. And so that explains a guy like Alex Newhook getting traded to basically free up space because they're like, look, Alex Newhook's probably going to be a really good player, but it might be another you know, four or five years, we're not waiting. We need to have guys that help us win now. So they so went who did they end up? Who are, who are the new guys that they picked up? Okay. So, and this is a laundry list. And this is one of the things that I think we'll talk about, but we, Jonathan drew in on that amazingly good cheap deal that they got him under. Um, basically reuniting you know, and it feels so good, Matt. Yeah. You know? With, with yeah, with Nathan McKinnon trying to reunite that magic they had in junior, um, they traded for Ryan Johansson from Nashville, um, to bring him on board. Um, as Nashville did the salary dump and eight contract, so they're getting Johansson at half cost, 
to be a second line center. Um, then their entire what projects to be third line, they picked up Miles Wood and gave him a long term deal, like he signed from Jersey. For, yeah, yeah, from Jersey. He's a good player. They brought Ross Colton from Tampa, if I remember correctly. And one of the guys that they were like was not getting picked up by anybody in free agency, that Thomas Tatar. And right now on Cap Friendly, they're less than what did they, what did they get him third for? line. Yeah. Oh, he was at a good price. It's a it's a low cost deal. It's about one point five mil that they got Shit. him. Yeah, no, it's a good deal. And that gets now that fourth line back to where it should be, Cogs and O'Connor back into that fourth line role. Um, that they were in. Um, of course, they would have had um, Darren Helm moved, moved on. That would have been the fourth line the, when they won the cup. But that's the changes. So you're looking at five of the 12 plus uh, fourth line center, right? So, so it's almost half the forward group that's completely been turned over. So gone out of the mix is Alex Newhook. Alex Rodriguez is out of the mix. Um, my only my only concern for Colorado is their goaltending. It's still kind of weak. Well, and we'll talk about that, and we have to. Um, but let's just talk about this. Um, they did also lose on the defense, um, Eric Johnson, who was the longest member He's of the, the most underrated the piece. Eh? Yeah, you always you always brought that guy up when I was talking because we always talk about Byram and talk about Makar and you know, the other guys. Yeah, I was a big fan of EJ because he's like that Alex Petrangelo of the like central division or just super sta- stabilizing force out there, right? Yeah, Physical but presence. good good puck mover. Definitely yeah. it was always like made the right decisions in the defensive zone. And kind of like Matias Ekholm, the guy that always did everything right, but unless you really pay attention to the game, you don't even appreciate what's going on. And then you take it out of the mix and we'll see. Um, but you know what? Like they they can't keep everybody together and pay them, right? Like no, Devon Taves, Devon Taves is going to be he's going to be a free agent after this year, and so they got to try and re-sign him. Kale McCarr is getting top dollar now. Byram got his raise. Um, Sam Gerrard's a five million defenseman. Like they couldn't bring back Eric Johnson at six million. Right. That's so the other guy I was thinking of, Sam Gerard. He's a, he's a nice piece too. Didn't he get injured last year in the playoffs at the start of the playoffs, or was that the year before? Um, year before, I think it's the year they won the cup that he was out. He was in yeah. '76 last game, and I'm pretty sure he was available during that series. Although well, I can't only, remember, Byram only played 42 last year, which is brutal. He, he's basically played a season over the two seasons. Is basically yeah. how that works out, which is not good. Now they reacquired Jack Johnson in the off season, like, well, at the trade deadline last year. And so he kind of slots in there. And Josh Manson also has not had a good track record with his injuries. And he missed a lot of time last year too. Yeah. Like Like he played, he played 27 games last year, Warren. I didn't realize that. Yeah. See, we're talking uh, before we started here, but like how many injuries happened to Colorado? That's why I have them like, I imagine them going to the cup and that I feel like they'll, they'll finish atop the conference. If they can, if they can stay like half as healthy or, or sorry, get a half a percentage better. You know what I mean? Like 50% better. Even if they have to eat a bunch, I mean, they are eating 
82 games of Landeskog 100%. But mm-hmm. it's like if all those other guys, if Byram even plays 65 games instead of 42 games, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like if Josh Manson plays 50 games instead of whatever you just said, he played 27 or some shit, right? Like that's yeah. it's ridiculous. It's amazing that they were able to do what they did given the circumstances. Yeah. Now, Gorgiev had to play more games because last year, Pavel Francouz got hurt quite a bit. And really, Gorgiev had to carry the ball. And I think when it got to the Seattle-Colorado series, Gorgiev was spent. The guy was a career backup goalie, first-time starter last year. He played good, but he was burnt out. So what happens this year? Francouz in camp basically goes down with an injury. Right now, it's their top prospect goalie Justus Ananen, 23-year-old who's played a handful of NHL games who will be slotted to be the backup if they can't find somebody at a real deal of a price, okay, off the waivers when that's teams are... Saying, that's that's if, the obvious goal, right? If, if you had to pick something. If there's a goalie available, because you take it, Calgary basically sent down Justin Wolf. So they're not going to put uh, Vladar on waivers and lose them. And they know they would, right, for nothing. So they basically sent down the top prospect goalie who's waiver exempt and kept Markstrom and Vladar. Smart move. There's a couple teams. Buffalo is another one that could do that. Look, Eric Comrie could end up in Colorado. That could be a real thing. Because if they decide to, uh, with their young goalie, uh, keep them, um, hey, man, I'd be I'd be happy for Eric Comrie if you got to go to a place like that. So, he's but he's not the only team that's going to be looking. The other thing is that there's other teams that need goaltending that might, you know, put the waiver. They finish worse than Colorado last year. They get that goalie instead. You got Colorado uh, finishing finishing atop the conference too. No, I have Dallas, and we're going to talk yeah. about why. Yeah, so I'm not taking Colorado, and part of that is because. I think Gorgiev is going to need a, another goalie to help him with the uh, load management. That's the word. Remember last week you really wanted that was to say. One, yeah. yeah, I remembered that too. So Why I you Leonard, load that. management. Yeah, so I think Gorgiev's load, load management last year, even though the regular season numbers were very good. And don't get me wrong. He had good numbers last year during the regular season. He was spent. And that's why they lost in seven because their old goalie, Philip Grubauer, who was terrible during the regular season, played seven really great games for Seattle and won them that series against his old team, really, basically. I like Dallas and I like Jake Oninger. And that's the key reason on it. But also, I know Scott Wedgwood can play 35 games to give this team a chance to win. And I don't know about Justice Annanen being able to do the same or a waiver wire pickup. Now, if it turns out to be like we were talking about Eric Comrie or somebody else that has some pedigree, you know, that they can get somebody off the waiver wires or trade for somebody who can do that. But are you, are you wanting this um, 20, you know, three-year-old justice and, and to play, you know, 30 games, like really, that's what you need is that 50-30 split. Like, Gorgiev can't play 65 games. Yeah. I mean, nobody, now, nobody, the only goalies doing that are Ottinger and Helly. 
and Vasilevsky, but look what happened to Vasilevsky because he's been overworked for so long. Yeah. And even so. and even Hellebuck this year isn't gonna have to do that when we get to Winnipeg. So yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So so Scott Wedgwood to me, you know what? Even if Ottinger plays 55, Wedgwood's gonna give them a chance to win those other games. He's not gonna have to play the tougher games. So, you know, he'll get games against Anaheim and against San Jose and you know, like they'll, Nashville, they'll yeah. yeah, they'll Nashville, yeah, exactly. Um, you could have the the shooter tutor in that against Nashville this year. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, but having said that, okay, Dallas has everything, all the other pieces as well. Like, so they picked up when speaking of Nashville, they decide to buy out Matt DeShane, and Dallas picks him up for a bargain basement price, but probably what he should actually be getting paid on a regular basis. Um, so now you got that top line, Robertson, Hinson, Pavelski. Shout out to Rick Bonus, coach of the. How about the ageless, yes. ageless wonder Pavelski though? Eh, love that yeah. guy. Thirty-nine well, years doing it. Here's, here's the thing: like Pavelski is like he's like a player coach at this point. Like you talk about, we we talk about the second line, Jamie Ben's resurgence, right? Right. Centered by, you know, should have been rookie of the year, Wyatt Johnston. Wyatt Johnson lived with Joe Pavelski last year to help transition to the NHL and then had that fabulous season. He literally yeah, lived. Dallas knows what they're doing. They don't, they know what they're doing there. They, they got Dandenoff from, uh, I guess from Montreal too, right at the from deadline. Montreal, yeah. yeah. And he fit in really well. Of course he was with um, their coach from the time in Vegas. So Pete DeBoer had Pavelski in San Jose. He had Dandenoff in Vegas, and he's just come in and and he's and he's really got that group firing. Now, Matt Deshane basically is slotted to be on the third line with Tyler Sagan and Mason Marchment instead of them that's trying to make the, the second line. line. Jesus. Yeah, that's the third line. And Matt Deshane's not a season ago, but the season before a forty goal getter. And if that's the elixir that works with Sagan and Marchment, and last year they couldn't find a third complement for those two, but if they do, and it's the Shane, look out. And I got a question for you though, Matt. What do you think about it? Do you think uh, there's a chance there's going to be a a regression in Pavelski and Ben? Because you know the season before uh, Ben kind of struggled, had an off year, he was way down, and then he had an unbelievable resurgence last year. But, you know, that's the one thing that, uh, what's the saying, uh, time always wins or whatever the fuck it is. It's like the one thing that you can't avoid. Fuck, I can't remember what the saying is. But essentially, like, time gets us all. That's that's the punchline. And yeah, like, except- Pavelski's done it for so long. He's 39 years old. And he didn't look like he was slowing down. But you got to think, like, at some point they have to. And no, he's just too turning 40 this year. And it's you don't think that there's a chance? There's a hockey sense with Joe Pavelski. There's, sure. not a guy, there's not a guy that can, like, if you look at net front tip goals over the last decade, right? The guy is unbelievable hand-eye coordination. He always positionally is in the right spot. And he is playing with Rope Hints and Jason Robertson. Like, they are lights out magic. And playing what I was saying, yeah. what I was saying, so you had a prime age player 
you had a younger player in Robertson at the time who's now on the cusp of being prime aged, and you had that vet, and it worked. And that was actually put together by Rick Bonus. That line, that combination of line is a Rick Bonus. Yeah. When they got put together. But that is exactly the same type of thing that they kind of did last year with Jamie Ben playing with Wyatt Johnston. And they're going to get to be line mates again. The youth exuberates the older guys. Jamie Ben had a fabulous regular season and, and it worked. And so otherwise you look at a few moves periphery to the fourth line on this team, but they still added like Craig Smith, who was in Boston last year to play on the fourth line that, you know, they still have Radic Faxa who basically, you know, is as defensively sound of a center that can play right. And still contribute. That's their fourth line center. You know, they lost Luke Lendenning and, you know, Domi from the deadline. But beyond that, that that group, and they still have not even listed in the lineup, Ty Delandra, who had an excellent playoffs, who also played really well with Jamie Benn and Wyatt Johnston. You know, uh, is, and, is Stan Coven making the team, or is he back down to the Myers? Oh, no. Like, Stan Coven, I don't think is going to be duplicating what Wyatt Johnston did a year ago because this roster is more deep. They even picked he up the Sam, CHL player of the year. Like, look, last even Sam Steele looks to be like a 13th, 14th forward coming over from Minnesota in the off season. Yeah. They're and deep. At, and at times I had them, I have them third in the Western conference, but I really like Dallas too. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. And so I, I, and I think they were the most consistent team last year. They were always, they were never great. They were never bad. They just consistently and Colorado had the big bump at the end and, and caught them and basically finished a point ahead of them. You That's know what I was the most was. impressed with last year with the Dallas stars was that I don't know how many times we talked like fucking Dallas is down two or three goals again. And then they come back. <laughs> They're down four goals. They come back. They're down a couple, you know, like it seemed to happen so often and they were like the comeback kids. They were never out of a game. I hated when the Jets played them. It just was like grinding my gears. You never felt like if you have a lead, you don't feel comfortable. They they don't they don't change their game depending on the like the score of the game kind of thing. They don't get too high, get too low, and they're just uh, they just keep coming at you in waves. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. Scott Wedgwood, like you said, solid backup goalie. He's a legit good goalie. So then on the defense again, they still have the vets Ryan Suter and Esselandell, Miral Haskinen. He's going to try and go out this year and win an Norris trophy. That's what he said. So he's going to try and level that. up. Yeah. He literally has said that in the off season, he Not wants to win the Norris trophy. Now um, they also had got Niles Lundquist from the Rangers before the beginning of last year. Yanni Hockenpah still there who came over from Carolina as a solid, you know, stay at home defenseman with size and their key is probably how good Thomas Harley does as a 22-year-old who I think could potentially play top four, but we'll see how they shake out their defense uh, combinations. And I should mention, uh, just because there's been a lot of talk out of Dallas, um, Leon Bischel, um, the 19-year-old defenseman, um, who's basically on an entry-level contract, like he's still kicking around in camp. And apparently he's about, he might be a guy that 
somehow ends up on this opening night roster. And that's a surprise. That would be, you know, a big surprise, but that's what they've been talking about. But yeah, on the forward group, uh, Stan Coven, Maverick Bork, they're not going to get shots at this roster until there's injuries. Now, if there's injuries to the top six, look, Logan Stan Coven is probably the next guy to be able to take a jump. But at this point, this roster up front, if you got Sam Steele as a 14th forward, yeah, when at all at full health, like how are you how are you putting in another rookie? There's no right? real reason to rush a development of the Stan Coven then. You know, you might as well because he's, he's he's done with junior. I believe that was his last year in junior. He was a 19-year-old. So he'll be playing with uh their minor league team this year. And yeah, you know, you don't you don't need to rush him because they're they're too yeah, I think I think his path is kind of like uh Carl Connors will be. He'll he'll end up just lighting up the American Hockey League to the point where it's like an injury will happen. He'll get up and he'll continue that progress and he'll never get sent back down. You remember yeah. that? Like yeah. Connor went down. You're like, oh, what are they doing? And then he lit it up, yeah. lit it up. An injury happened. He came up and you forget he ever played in the American Hockey League at all. Like, I think that's Logan Stan Coven's path. There's nothing wrong with starting in the, especially on a what would Look, Colorado and Dallas of the Central Division teams are cup contender level teams. Colorado, when they're at full health. And the other thing is the integration of the amount of players that Colorado has versus Dallas and the more stability in goaltending is why I have Dallas over Colorado this in this regular season. Now, at full health in a seven-game series, I might not have the same answer for you. <laughs> and Byron plays more than 41 games or whatever. Yeah. Now, this is one we got a disagreement on uh, for sure about this is who's in third spot. Now, consensus around the NHL is it's going to be Minnesota. And, and I've not even heard anybody deviate from that warrant, like across the board, whether, um, you know, I just, I heard today, actually the jets above them and that, many behind the jets and who and who 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 was the one person to go out on a limb on that one was it a local uh, winnipegger or was it yeah i'm pretty sure it was local so yeah okay yeah because but then the other the other guy did not so it's kind of like they were split yeah well it, it, you know what there's there's local guys in nashville that think they're a bubble playoff team even though they're going to be you know competing for you know a first overall pick this year like, hey, listen, man, I thought way more about it since we last spoke, and it pains me to say, because because I had uh, Seattle in over many, <laughs> and then I like went through the team again, and I was like, no, actually, I like when we're picking our list, man. I actually booted Seattle and put Mini back in because, like you said, they pretty much it's pretty much the same team running out there last year that but put up a hundred plus point season, right? And then they have uh, they replaced uh, three regular seasons in a row. By the way, they, they like, replaced they replaced uh, what's his face the power forward uh, big guy Greenway. Mm-hmm. They replaced him with Maroon. And you know what I have written besides Patrick Maroon never misses the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If Pat Maroon is on your team, you make the playoffs. That's just how it is. So, and it's like essentially the, the same role on the team. And then you look at the rest of their team, and they're still pretty damn deep. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I changed my mind on that one. <laughs> I, I wanted to keep it just to be different. And I do like Seattle. They're fun to watch. But 
No, I, I, I got many over them. But this is the whole thing, too. Minnesota basically hits the ground running because that roster really has like a, like a couple guys to integrate that are right. new. So they don't have to have that period of adjustment time trying to figure yeah. out who they are, what their identity so, is, you know, like, all that. I think they'll be one of the better teams in the Western Conference out the first 20 games. And you know how getting up in the standings helps you through the season, right? Yeah, it definitely doesn't hurt you. The Jets were number one, and then we're a bubble team and made it eighth, right? Be- so, because of the start of their season. <laughs> yeah. So so you got you got the goaltending tenant back of Phil Gustafson, who had an amazing regular season. But you he's offset by Marc-Andre Fleury, who's accepted being the backup. Okay? But you know how competitive Fleury is. He's going to go sure. in there and try and win games, right? So the defense, they got everybody back except for Matt Dumba, except that they did graduate Brock Faber from college on his entry level, and he is a right-hand defenseman. And during the last part of last year, after like he like college was done and into the playoffs, he played on that team like for the for the remainder of the season. And he was a guy that you wanted in your top six. They're expecting to just put him with Jonas Brodeen. I will say I did read, and it's going to be weeks, week to week, Jared Spurgeon, their captain, is on IR right now. That's a factor on it. But otherwise, they still have uh, Brodeen, Jacob Middleton that they got from San Jose a couple of years ago, Alex Golgoski, the veteran, John Merrill, um, the young Kalen Addison, who basically had better points per game than um, Jared Spurgeon in less games played because he basically he needs to shore up his defense, but he can, he can quarterback the power play even, um, and is expected to, even when Jared Spurgeon's healthy, like they know that's his upside to his game. So they've got all those pieces in place. And again, they've all played together that whole group. There's nobody to integrate on that back end up front. You're going to still have Hartman with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Marcus Johansson, who came at the deadline, signed before the end of the year. They had him with Erickson and Matt Boldy. And just look at the points per game. It's something that um, uh, Michael Russo, who covers the Minnesota Wild for the Athletic, um, has said that that trio, until Eck got injured, right, Um, they were amazing. If they can even be half as good as they were in that after the deadline stretch, that's going to be a good line. That puts Marcus Foligno, um, Marco Rossi, looks like he's going to make the jump up this year, and Frederick Goudreau, who's just basically you know a jackknife type of player. Patrick Maroon on the fourth line with Connor Dewar and Brandon Duhame. Brandon Duhame could play third line on most NHL teams. Both Duhame and Dewar are killer on the penalty kill. That's a good group of 12. It's just an absolute... You know one of the reasons why I changed my mind too, man, was because Felino. I, I when I looked into it, he only played sixty five games last year. I'm like and Hartman, plays, if he plays a full eighty two, you know that changes the complexion of things for sure. Hartman he, only played fifty nine last year, Warren. He's a dirty prick. And and <laughs> but if he was on your team, yeah, yeah, if he was on my team, I like him. But because <laughs> you know why? And, and and you know what, Felino there was a, a situation. Felino isn't going to win Mr. Congeniality, but I I want 
Marcus Foligno on my team any day of the week. I like Zuccarello on my team. Remember when he was available? Mm -hmm. Like he's a fucking Jets killer. So, yeah. See what what Matt Zuccarello is to Kirill Kaprizov and that East West. You know, like they don't go north south. They you know they play. They can play that cross ice game. That's the the since line a left Ehlers. That's what he's been missing. And we'll see. You know what? Perfetti might be able to do that. But I think Platter Perfetti is going to make a world of a difference. Them yeah. playing together and yeah. Nino Niederreiter. But we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so I should mention all three of those guys: Ryan Hartman, Marcus Foligno, and who was the third one that needed a new deal? They were all in the final years of their current contract. So pending unrestricted free agents. I'm missing somebody. Who am I missing? Zuccarello. So they're all signed for at least multi-year deals starting next year. All locked up. They don't have to worry about any contract stuff all years. Hartman came in. um, That's huge. You don't have any of the the media scrums every fucking other game asking you, you know, what's the plan for next year? Are you coming back? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Which can be a real pain in the ass. Molino got four times four. I was a little surprised because for a guy that you know is going to be a third line guy, I thought that should have been where Lowry is about that 3.2, 3.5 tops. But on the open market, there would have been a demand for some, you know, really bad team to basically, you know, pay him that extra 0.5 per to steal him away. So you want to get you do it. Uh, Hartman. Hartman came in at a nice number. He's still top nine value. So if he's playing, like if, say, they get a top-line center, um, Hartman isn't going to be out of budget. And uh, same with Zuccarello. His 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 AAV went down to, I think, uh, four and a half from six um, for next year. So he's taking a pay cut. But he is 36 years old. And that's only two-year deal. It's only two-year deal. Like but at not- the end of the day, though, you you're like me. We both we both have a, a four and four with the Pacific and the Central, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what and I'm we're saying. probably the only people that are saying that. Everybody's saying most five, people are five, saying five and three. Yeah, yeah, everybody, everybody and their dog. I will. And their dogs probably, you know, if they could talk, would say it was four and four. But never mind. I think a lot of people misinterpret Winnipeg, and. That's who we need to talk about because I've got them as that fourth place team. Now, like I said, depending on the start that Minnesota has, there might be gap that Winnipeg would have to catch up on. However, first things first, Laurent Brassois, by the way, I want to give myself a Barry Horowitz pat on the back because um, I said when I went through all the goalies right before uh, free agency that Brassois with Vegas's, you know, deciding to go with Aiden Hill because he, he finished and won the cup. Like, I was like, Laurent Brassois can come back to Winnipeg. You know, Logan Thompson's going to be back. Now they've got Aiden Hill. They've got too many guys. Winnipeg goes out, gets him, get rid of Big Civ Dave. But now, Connor Hellebuck doesn't have to play 65 games. He could play 50. Brassois can play 30. Great, it's also one of those but- things. They're buddies too. Hey, they train together in the off season. So if if he gets a couple more games, Helly's uh, less butthurt about it, which is good. They have a good symbiotic relationship. They're and cheering for each other. 
Exactly, which is a huge thing, man, right? You know Helly wants to run as, as much – he wants to go out there as much as anybody. He wants to play 65 games a year. But if he, have to, if he has to play five less, he's more likely to be cool with it when it's a guy like Brassois. And Brassois is better having been in Vegas. For sure, yeah. There I were agree. tweaks tweaks to his games. I watched him play in the like near the end of the year against multiple teams, whether it was St. Louis, whether it was division games against where, where he had that run where he wouldn't lose a game. And he it's kind of crazy was, to say, but he, him, him beating the jets, I think was huge for his overall confidence and uh, kind of helped took, took him to the next level, you know, and mm-hmm. winning all those games down the stretch to help solidify Vegas. and get But he was Warren, like, your memory of him as the Winnipeg Jets backup goalie and that goalie I watched down the stretch and then yeah. the goalie that beat Winnipeg. Different and people, for sure. Different guy. Like, unbelievable. This guy that's why, is going, That's why I think the Winnipeg Jets have the best Winnipeg, uh, the best tandem of goalies in the league. It's one of the better ones in the league. Absolutely. Now, again, Winnipeg, like we talked about with Minnesota, at least with the D group or Dallas Likewise, not a lot of changes with this group. Now, disappointing, Billy Hanola got hurt, and it sounds like it's going to be a while, right? Yeah, brutal. brutal, man. Because yeah, it's ankle. I think they said like 10 weeks. Eight to 10 weeks or something yeah, like that. 10 yeah. weeks. So he was making the team. He was going to make the team. Yeah, now, he had amazing preseason. Yeah. Brutal. You basically have the same D6. Um, with Logan Stanley as the seventh, not not a single change. Oh no, no, not Logan Stanley as the seventh. Logan Stanley as ninth, maybe. <laughs> well, I agree because I got co- Chisholm and Capo over Stanley. Stanley can be put out on the waiver wire and fucking sent off to fucking Russia somewhere. Just kidding. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he can go anywhere else. We'll, we'll get a bag of pucks for him. Second dirt. The, the Swiss League? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's just, it's like you don't have to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. Like, that's that's that. You know, I don't hate you. I don't dislike you. I just don't want you on my team because well, he doesn't fit the system. he's a turnover machine. He looks bad in the preseason. He kind of pretends to be tough, but doesn't actually beat anybody up, and nobody's intimidated. He's just tall. Lanky, he doesn't know how to even throw a punch, and I don't he know. Just makes terrible reads, bro. Like, give me Warren, chism all day. Warren, when when I when I would make the jokes about the and it, they were jokes about you know his height six seven and and the jokes about uh, you know the next to Daniel Charles. I don't know if people thought I was being serious or not because for the better part of like the last three years, like I. Like it's the opposite. People He's not going to be that. comparing him to Charles. Like you, I don't know it. But I hope people didn't. I hope people were thinking that. Like I That's was so insulting to a legend, man. Like Charles, like yeah. a Hall of Famer. It's unbelievable. And that Charles, well, not going to be that guy. Like no. Logan Stanley is. He's a seventh injury replacement guy. He's kind of like a Jordy Ben career trajectory, if you really want to say it, but. Kyle, people Capo, on the outside of the Winnipeg market are like, why are they talking about the seventh, eighth, and ninth defense? <laughs> like, who cares? But 
But in reality, like Chisholm was a, was an all-star last year in the AHL. Hanola has been on the cusp for a while and is way more dynamic. So that's where we're choked that he's out. And even Capel, man, like he barely got a shot to play. But every time he came to the lineup, he didn't hurt your lineup. He actually was a pretty solid player. So like Logan was, Stanley was a first round pick. Because he's a blah, good puck mover. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like you know? Capel's a good puck mover. And that's, that's, that's what the system was designed for. He contributed. In the lineup, that's he what I'm only, saying. Like he, he can only, jump up the play and not get caught up in the play. You know, he like, can jump up and not get caught. Up. He he played only 14 games last year, but he got two goals in the 14 games he played. There are yeah, that's there two are, more goals than Gus Buscott. For for all you want to say about um, you know, Brendan Dillon, obviously there's other reasons he's in the lineup. Full 82, same number of goals for offensive yeah. production. 63 games, Dylan Sandberg. He had two goals. Now he had some assists as well. And again, the size component, there's other reasons why I like those guys in the lineup, sometimes over Capo Bianco. But Capo's a good, like Capo to me really is. And what did I say? Um, I said to you when he got picked up, because I actually watched Arizona, I've actually watched him with Arizona. I know what Winnipeg was getting, and I probably would be one of the few people that actually outside of Arizona even watches the Coyotes ever. Um, so I knew yeah, I'll Capo. Give you props, man. I'll give you props. Yeah. I could check the receipts, and it would yeah. say that Tim, Tim said, hey, man, this Capo guy's pretty good, and like yeah. he's, he's not gonna, definitely not going to hurt the team. Like I remember you talking about him. I, was, I didn't even know who this guy was, but mm-hmm. I don't pay attention to Arizona for obvious reasons. Well, most yeah. people don't, but Capo was basically a excellent. What did I, I basically said? Capo Bianco was basically the replacement for, um, oh my goodness, and I can't Nathan Boyu. That's basically what I said. Seventh guy that's going to come in, and in fact, Capo except a way smoother skater, eh? and yeah. uh, it fits the system way better than Nathan Boyu. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I do mm-hmm. remember that. Uh, so for, that's, for me, the, the Dylan Sandberg is kind of one of the X factors, how much growth that he has and the bounce back year from Pionk. I feel like Pionk has to have a huge year and him playing on along Sandberg. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing. Can Josh Morrissey get back to the level that he's at last year, or even surpass it? I'm not really stoked about DeMello on the right side. I do like that. He's a stay at home and yada, yada, but you know, we've talked about it. I'm like, I no. feel like there's, Blue in there's the face. deals that are coming up. Blue in the face over that. Now, the forward group in Winnipeg, and this is what everybody's discounted, we talked about this last time about P.L. Dubois for three players that are going to be in the Winnipeg lineup. Like, this is the thing. They get Gabe Velarde, who now, there's got to be chemistry yet to come with Shifley and Connor, but he's there. Then you got, like, Nino Niederreiter still here from the deadline pickup. Um, potentially. Yeah. You know, but they've also got Nick Ehlers, if he's healthy, um, and Cole Perfetti, who hopefully as well has looked way better. But that puts, like, Alex Iafello on a third-line role with Lowry and Appleton, who are, like, when I talked about uh, Dewar and Duhame in, in uh, Minnesota, that's, like, Winnipeg, but Winnipeg's third-line, Lowry and Appleton. Iafello, I think, is going to have those guys get more points. So I think that's it. And the fourth line... Really, Morgan Barron, who played third line and arguably can play in the top nine. Rasmus Kupari, who's a young prospect guy who I think he might even have top six potential yet. 
and Nemestikov, who basically is a jockknife, right, for Winnipeg, that's your fourth line. This is way you know, deeper last than... Year, um, he split some time, right? Uh, so did Velarde a few years back. But uh, the Kings really make you work for it. When I when I looked through the, the stats and, and showing how Velarde bounced back and forth between the Kings and, uh, what is it, something rain or whatever it is? Ontario? Well, it can't be Ontario. Ontario it is. Rain. It is. Is it but Ontario it is. rain? Yeah, yeah, but it's not in Ontario, Canada. But it's not our Ontario, no. <laughs> anyways, uh, it's so weird. But uh, once this is Rasmus Kapari went down last year for 11 games, got nine points, five goals, four assists in the AHL. So like, basically a point-a-game player there. And, yeah, his numbers don't stand out when you look at the 66 games he played with the Kings. But we just seeing him in a short sample size and watching him, he's got speed. He doesn't back down from anybody when that uh, prick Kachuk was trying to go at him. You know, he just – he, he just stood up for himself, you know, and he's got that offensive upside. So for a fourth line player and he's hungry, he's, he made a point to say, like, I don't expect to be on the fourth line forever kind of thing. Um, if we're working our way from backwards up to the top line, Nemestikov is a guy who rolled on the top six last year at times and played well. You know, it, we're not too many years removed from when he had a 20 goal season. A handful of years ago, he got that. And you know, Bones loves him. And like you said, um, uh, Morgan Barron, last year he just got better and better as as the season went on you know and i feel like there's so many interchangeable parts we'll see how it goes i feel like uh down the middle you know adam lowry is your third line shutdown guy um and you know shifley and connor on your top line and you think you know if they're healthy big if perfetti Ehlers are on your second line but i think nothing is set in stone when it comes to the new guys i have fallow and uh, Velarde, even though everybody's saying it's like Velarde's on this top line, I think there's a chance there's wiggle room for either a Niederreiter or an Iafalo to move up on that top line and just switch right in the top six there. And yeah. I feel like Iafalo can play either or. He, you know, a couple of years ago he played with uh, Kopitar, regular shifts with Kopitar, and he's also done that uh, third line role. And you see yeah. it in his game; he can do both sides of the puck, so he could be on the third line for you. You know. And maybe Appleton rolls to the fourth line and you have Barron up on the third line because he played with Lowry a bunch last year and was on real. So the difference between this team really is that the back, the back six of like somewhat being interchangeable. We know where Lowry is, but the other guys around him and on like how they rotate through is just so much deeper than the sat kind of like the brutal guys we had. We had uh no offense, Axel, you're here. You got that nice flow, bro, but you don't do much. You kind of just skate around, do nothing. And Menelainen, he didn't score. <laughs> much Gus bus literally got zero goals in the time that he played for the jets um who else am i missing coolman never scored he scored a couple goals by accident but like remember that he like lost the puck into the i net thought it was an empty net goal like i'm like did he, he actually had, yeah, he score with a goal, goal and when he lost into the net he did a deke and it fell off his stick like did so he actually beat a goalie for a goal no not one shot yeah. not one deke like not one tip, but that's why one. Seattle put him on waivers. They literally got Ellie Tovalin for nothing, and they're like, "Here's a guy who can score." Who, when he was coming up through the you know prospects, so they knew that's what he was going to do, be able to score. Um, and then they they sent Coleman on his way. Menelainen actually, and I don't think he made Colorado. I don't see him on there. At some point, he was cut, but nobody picked him up. Um, but he was in Colorado camp. Um, but again, on a team that's not going to make the roster. But you talk, okay, Gustafson's still here, and Axel, 
Um, yeah, the 13th forward, Gus. Yeah. 13, yeah. 14 forwards, 46 yeah. games played, 50 games played, respectively, for those guys. They don't factor in at this roster being at full health getting in the lineup. Now, no. I agree, though. Um, you you take you take any one of those forwards, and there's a few things. Players like Iafello, you can move up the lineup if Perfetti. Look, I actually think the whole season really hinges on how healthy Perfetti and Ehlers are. Because it makes a huge difference sure. on one of those. That's teams. exactly what I think too. Those two guys, their health is get, how far how that's going to be how far it takes the team, right? That's how far the team will go. Mm-hmm. Um, because like last year, Perfetti only played fifty games, right? Got yeah. thirty points, and then we got we have Ehlers. Uh, it's been a few years since he actually played back to back eighty-two game seasons, eh? Yeah, half four years ago, and. Uh, since that time, he's really struggled with injuries. That's why I was so frustrated at the start of this year. But I think playing with a pass-first guy like uh, Perfetti, it's going to – like, we want Perfetti to shoot a little bit more, but he, he he can't help himself. That's how he thinks. And his IQ is off the charts. And figuring out time and space, he creates a lot of space for people. And Ehlers doesn't need help cre- creating space. He can do it on his own. He's a one-man breakout. So, you know, I think we've been waiting forever for Ehlers to score 30. He's never scored 30. That's That's amazing to me. And I think if he, but if injuries. he gets 70, 75 games, even if he can't, it's not 82, 70, 75 games. Yeah. The difference he'll make on the team. If if you can get Platter Perfetti to play 70 games this year, I'm not even asking for 82. You know, you're going to be looking at, I got, you know, I feel like Ehlers this year could score between 25 and 30. And I think Perfetti playing with Ehlers scores 20, you know, especially if you're riding, if riding shotgun, you got Nino. Well, I think, or, I think, I think, I think Ehlers as long as he's playing 70 games is definitely at 25 goals. Like, yeah, even if he doesn't like, I think 30 is a real possibility this year with Perfetti on that second line. Then you get that second line production and then Gabe Velarde. Like how can he not have a career year either, either playing on the top line, like everybody expects with Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor, of course, like there, if he plays all their year with, with them, but or, you and could... on the first power play unit. Like you could you could do years. a flip if this isn't working where you throw Mason Appleton up with Shifley and Connor and throw Lowry between Iafalo and Velarde. There are I think so they many, have that in their back. There's so there's so many combinations going on here. And you know, like Lowry, Appleton, and Barron played third line last year. And they like this they line. They were a but, great line together, those yeah. three guys, you know? Yeah. And what about you know, I follow and Niederreiter playing with Lowry. That's another combination. There There's are so, so many, many interesting yeah. combinations this year. It's nothing's like we don't have like no offense. He was a, he was a great leader for a long time. We don't have guy like Blake Wheeler being like I have to play top six. There's no way I'm going to roll up and down. They'd be on the third line. You know, we don't have those kind of guys. But he should have been. Or and I like, guarantee, I guarantee, when if Wheeler has a good season this year with the Rangers, it's because they shaved two minutes off his time on ice. And you know what? Jamie Ben had his resurgence last year with that sh- same shaved time off ice by about two minutes. Check the numbers. Just go look at the numbers on the time on ice. So my my understanding of these takes that went lower is basically that everybody in these preseason predictions expected Connor Hallebuck to be playing in New Jersey. He's not. Not that New Jersey had anybody to give us, although Damon Severson would have been a nice little 
um, right-hand defenseman instead of Dylan DeMello. Um, chalk that under an, another, you know, wish list file that I never got completed. Um, but having said that, a lot of people forget that Mark Scheifele is still with the team. Connor Helbeck's still with the team. And based on the goalie market, Winnipeg probably can re-sign Helly because they're going to give him top dollar and everybody else wants to do it on a cheap. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, man. Like, do you do you remember what he was asking for? Like nine million was the year. Yeah, I think he wants to be up in Vasilevsky territory, and you know what? He's in a Vesna conversation every year. You get a I mean, top his agent and him have like they have a right to to ask for that. But like you said, I think the market's going to dictate. He's going to he's going to come back down to earth a little bit and see that there's probably not another place that's going to because because of what we talk about the last two podcasts about the tandem goalie situation and not investing so much money in your top goalie, but but, teams are going to do that. You know, But my argument is that between giving him a raise, right. From his six, whatever it is currently 6.2 or 6.1, 6.1. Yeah. Six point. Yeah. You could do eight times eight plus you can give him the extra year. He's set for life. Now the last three years of that, you're going to want a young prospect goalie. And having him as an overpaid backup, that's fine. Even if I had to buy out the last two years of that deal, I'm good with that because you're going to get that bridge when you get to it. Yeah, because I think you get at least five more years. We're at seven point five or eight million. He's worth over above average. Get above average goalie for goaltending for another five years. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And with Laurent Brassois, who I think is capable of being an NHL starter. As that transition happens, I think both of them aging out get into a tandem dual situation, and that would be perfect for Winnipeg. So I do think, but I think his agent now realizes everybody else is like, we're not paying you over five. And if Winnipeg can do three more million over that eight-year contract, it's a no-brainer. The guy likes fishing. I don't know about you, but Manitoba fishing is off the charts. It's kind of interesting, hey, because a lot of Winnipeggers are insecure about where we live, right? And they, I think the grass is always greener and everybody wants to be in California. But who was it? Uh, Alex Iafalo, who just who just joined the Jets, was was just raving about how awesome it is to live here because of the fact that there's so many good fishing spots. Apparently, he already went uh, fishing with Hellebuck, too. So it's like, that's kind of funny. You know, he wants to stick around. He's, he's excited to be here, which is nice to hear after guys like P.L., well yeah you know what if you want to go hollywood and you were supposed to say this i'm not stealing your material but you're supposed to say that uh pld went hollywood like hollywood yeah that should be his nickname yeah for sure (laughs) but you were the one that wanted to bring that up slight evander kane vibes there a little bit not as bad maybe but yeah a little bit you know what evander kane has grown up you know what? I, I've listened to him this summer um, with Jeff Merrick and um, Elliot Friedman, 32 Thoughts, which I will shout out because as far as hockey podcasts go, that's uh, if there was must listen, that's must listen. And I like I like what Evander Kane brought to the table. He's grown up. He actually has. He definitely, when Winnipeg traded him out of here, needed to go. Um, but you know what? He really was a big fan of being in Atlanta too. Like, I don't think he adjusted that team moving from Atlanta to Winnipeg is, and we don't take a lot of thought into that, 
because he talked about that in the 32 thoughts about, um, and sorry to go on an Euler rant, but he talked about the diversity of the, coming from you to me instead of the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. I know. Like this is, you should be ranting about an, an Euler thing. It's like between when we, when I used to talk about the Oilers too, it's like, I'm a huge fan of Leon Dreisaitl now. Like, about the time they that they got their uh, duel, he played on one leg and was the best player on yeah. the ice. He yeah, McDavid there. Yeah, like how can you not like that guy? And he and he's so humble pie. Um, but Kane, by the way, had he talked about time in Atlanta? Talked about Atlanta maybe getting a team back, but he talked about the like ethnic diversity of Atlanta, which is true. That is like a melting pot in the U.S. of like a lot of ethnicities in Atlanta, in Georgia. And he felt like he talked about it, like, um, uh, like he would be like the majority as a person of color, like that group, that ethnicity is not the minority where it would be in a place like Winnipeg, where even in Edmonton, it would be. And that's appealing to him. And as a young guy, when he was, Come on, man. Hot Lanta. Like, we, you know what I mean? Like, there are like, and, and we're not hip hop fans, but like, like, that's a banging place to be playing hockey out of versus Winnipeg. No, no disrespect. Like, if you like the outdoors, you like snowmobiling, you like fishing, you like getting away from the big city life. But Evander Kane, like, his. You're big, young in your early 20s and you want to yeah, party. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And, that was Evander Kane's MO. What did he like to do? Go to Vegas, flash money. He wants to be in the big centers. Atlanta, that fit the bill. And he ended up in Winnipeg. And he probably... Push-ups with stacks of cash, man. Yeah. Push-ups with stacks. Yeah. But he probably just felt out of place and wanting to get back to somewhere south of the border. But then when that didn't work out, San Jose didn't work out. He went back to Canada and, you know, but he came back to Edmonton with uh, this is my last shot to like make a statement with my career type of moment. And he, and he has, he has. So and I, I will say like for money wise, like the contract they're getting, they're getting them low and with incentives in this. And cl- I believe like bonus clauses within there. Yeah. With reaching, which is smart reaching numbers. Yeah. Right. And yeah, for what they're getting him at and being a top six player and him being healthy this year, I think is going to play a huge part in them, whether they can, you know, win the Western Conference or. I don't um, even think, you know what, they can, they can have mediocre goaltending one and still finish second in that division. Because, yeah, I mean, like, their offense is ridiculous. How, how, yeah, but like you take LA and you take Edmonton on the offense and who are you picking? You're picking Edmonton. Edmonton keeps beating LA in the playoffs every year. Right, and LA's goaltending isn't better than Edmonton's. So who are you and, taking? LA is not, and LA isn't deep anymore. Like they, mm-hmm. they're not as deep as they are because of the PL trade. I feel like, yeah, like there, there's going to be things about that that help them. But when you when you're playing a team like the Oilers, like if you're putting your top six against their top six, no offense, but like the Oilers' top six is substantially better than the LA's top six. Yeah, their top nine's better, I think, too. Like, I I actually think that the roster construction, the like adding Matthias Ekholm. Ekholm, 
Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, that call because being a Evan Bouchard, Evan Bouchard's gonna pop this year. Everybody's gonna know who Evan Bouchard is, and nobody's gonna thank Matthias Ekholm except for yeah, us. I feel like you'll have like a probably probably like a sixty point season. I'm guessing this year, if I have to put money on it. Check that receipt later. We'll see. But I feel like you'll have a sixty point season. I'm gonna go sixty five. I'm gonna do sixty five. Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I'll do five points better. Just just to. My point. I feel like you just pri- did the prices right on me there. Yeah, yeah. They, they do the yeah extra I just points. went up. I went up five, but I'm like, no, <laughs> I think I got five more points. He's playing with X. I'm, I'm going to give it. Yay. Like back even when we were doing the Jets podcast and Nashville's like the hated rival, we still had respect for the guys that were good. Oh, I never yeah. traded Shea Weber for PK Subin. Yeah. Not. I can have another 10 concussions. I'm still not going to make that decision. I need to swear, swear, swear on my life. Never would do one for one Shea Weber for PK Subban. And then, no disrespect. Do you, do you think the Toronto Maple Leafs would let Zach Hyman go again? Like, I don't have they been able to replace him? I don't think no, so. No, they don't. They don't. Yeah. And that's and, the problem with them. And they, he's a, looking and for Zach Hyman, but they don't he's have a playoff. He's a playoff guy. And that's he's what Emmett did. They just let him go because they 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 treated him like Ekholm in, in Nashville. Like he was just the, the guy on the line with, with Matthews Marner, you know? Like interchangeable. They think they're interchangeable, but it's not interchangeable. Zach Hyman goes to the dirty areas. Zach Hyman delivers. He scores you know, big playoff goals, right? He scored some big playoff goals. Right I'm telling you, like we talked about Dreisaitl from his spot that is like pinpointed. But if you start to try and shut that down, you just flip it around the other side to McDavid. He finds Hyman right in the in the in the paint, and it's he's in. He's kind of like a bargain bin P- Pavelski. Like he's he's not Pavelski, but you mean like a bargain bin. Like he the way he, mm-hmm. he the way he goes to the dirty areas, looks for yeah. tips and rebounds. You know what I mean? Yeah, those goals that you need to win games, especially in the playoffs. That's Zach Hyman. That's Zach Hyman's goals. That wasn't, um, you know. Austin Matthews, that isn't Mitch Marner goals. Those are Hyman goals. And that's and that's the whole thing on it. Edmonton, that was a good deal. Like that's actually, why they know, picked, that's why they picked up Bertuzzi this year, is they're still trying to replace Hyman. You know, they think that maybe he's he'll be a project for them, a guy that can they come in and get into gritty areas and score some goals and bounce back from his shitty year last year. But yeah, yeah it's kind of weird. That guy it's flowing under the radar, but you know, in Edmonton, they appreciate that guy. But that type of guy is the type of guy that basically complements that, that unit. And like I said, Bouchard, you talked about it when Barry moved out. Like that's, that's solid. That's solid because Bouchard's going to get power play time and look at the rest of the power play unit. The, he, he's going to have a great season. Okay. Now we are going to talk about the rest of the central division and probably not at length. But there's a reason for it. And we're going to talk about the team that narrowly missed the playoffs by Winnipeg, Nashville, next, just in order. However, I want to make this clear. I do not think Nashville is finishing this season behind Winnipeg. Right now, you lock those four in with Dallas, Colorado. Maybe they flip, maybe they don't. But other than that, this bottom four, Nashville's not the team to watch, but they did send Matt Duchesne packing. 
on a buyout. They sent Ryan Johansson packing in a trade. Then picked up, speaking of Toronto, Ryan O'Reilly um, to be their top line center. And they picked up Gustav Nyquist, who got a cup of coffee in Minnesota, although he was injured. So mostly he played with Columbus prior to that. And they're going to put that in with um, the rest of their mix of the young players, not including Tommy Novak in that forward group because he's actually just a late bloomer at 26 years old, career AHLer who should have made the roster last year, but their old coach, John Hines, couldn't construct a roster if his life depended on it, which is why he's looking for a job. One thing about Nashville, Warren, and yeah. this is the big X factor, is that goaltending. Because, Saros, yeah. yeah, UC Saros... He can steal games, like we talked about, I think, on the last podcast. Not many goalies you, you expect to steal games anymore because it's usually the tandem, those good yeah. guys. There aren't too many elite goalies. UC Saros led the league last year in stolen games. And in a part, here's my forewarning on this. And this is why I think Nashville regresses. It's been two years easy that if not for UC Soros, like Nashville would have shot at Connor Bedard or the first pick the year before that when they snuck into the playoffs. And Soros got hurt and they got swept in Colorado in four. UC Soros masks how bad the rest of Nashville's team especially coached by John Hines was. So you don't even know because he is that good of a goalie. They always had a chance to win and he's still there. So they are going to steal games. They shouldn't win. And there's no other word for it, but, and you know what? We talked about Tyson Berry. Let's go back to Tyson Berry. Cause he came back in the echo deal. That was salary dumped by Edmonton. Great move by them. But Tyson Berry fixed the left-hand logjam of defense that Nashville had. They messed up. They had Yossi, left-handed, top pair. Ekholm, left-handed. They brought in Ryan McDonough, also left-handed. None of the three could play the off-wing together on the right side. Berry is a right-hand defenseman. That resurgence near the end of the year, nobody says last year, Talk about all the young guys coming up and playing. Tyson Berry being on a right-hand D on the right side was a lot of that. They had Luke Shen, who is up in age, but he's a cup winner from his his time in Tampa Bay. Um, they have a veteran group. Um, I still think Dante Fabro and Alex Carrier, good NHL defensemen. They can play every game. So it's a good defense group. It's an older group. That's not where the youth movement is in Nashville. The trouble is the forward group, who is going to score goals? Like, you think about Ryan O'Reilly, Warren. What's the first thing you think about Ryan O'Reilly? Gritty, cycle, uh, board play, tips in front of the net, good leader. And what award does he always get nominated for in his prime? Selkie. What's the Selkie? Two-way forward. Best two-way forward. Best defensive forward. 
Yes, best defensive board. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's it, good. I think of it as two way because you still have to put up a level points. You can't can't be a one way player. Yeah, but but this is a guy. So you take a guy two years removed from a forty goal season, and no disrespect to Matt Duchesne, but Matt Duchesne is not going to be part of your leadership group. You know what? He wanted out of Colorado because they weren't going to win a cup. They were in a rebuild. Colorado won a cup. He still hasn't won a cup. Okay? Don't care. Dallas doesn't need him to be a leader. Nashville did. But still, 40-goal scorer, Ryan O'Reilly last year had 16 goals in 53 games. He's not going to put he, – he probably won't score 20 goals this year. Now, that's who Philip Forsberg's with. Now, he can dish – Forsberg, if he can stay healthy, maybe you got a top line there. But still, second yeah, I line. Why they, I don't see why Nashville doesn't try to try to trade um, Philip Forsberg or Saros and then try to get a bunch back, a bunch of picks back, and actually fully rebuild. Because otherwise, you're just stuck in the Vancouver Canucks cycle of obscurity. And, and mediocrity the, that, the that stupid bubble but not even bubble playoff like you're you're three or four positions out of getting the top pick every year like it's stupid yeah you're getting uh you're getting a 10th to 15th overall pick hope your draft right. department on a good year can can nail it out of the park and they do but because the worry of rebuilds in well we just say it i'm gonna say, say it non-traditional hockey market i know people hate that especially people in nashville because the team's been around for 20 some odd years okay they hate it but the same time is that team almost moved out of nashville they had to do a like save the predators campaign like they did in winnipeg back in like when we were little kids like we don't even remember it right and the team ended up moving anyways um that's economics However, they don't want to go into a full-on rebuild because they're not confident that the fan base can handle it. Now, everything I know about that fan base is they could understand sucking for a few years if the carrot would have been Connor Bedard. This is a conversation to have two years ago. They waited. They did sell off at the deadline last year, a ton of guys. And trust me, moving on from Matt Duchesne, although they didn't get anything for him, that's the bad deal about that. And they've got to pay him out. But they moved on from Ryan Johansson. They got Mikhail Granlin out of there. And you trust know, they me. They traded him off. Give, you got to give props for props. Is due, even though you don't like that GM, David Poyle, right? He did get, yeah. what, three or first four, uh, uh, first round picks for a third liner. What's his face? You know, the guy that's tough and can switch you know. a bit. You know. You know, yeah. Yeah. They, undrafted, undrafted player with one breakout season which by the yeah, way that was, that was the deal of the year but Ooh. that's with my boy Yakov Trenin who is so underrated by the way Yakov Trenin that's who Seattle should have took from Nashville in this expansion draft and didn't that's their mistake um but having said that got all day for Yakov Trenin you're going to find that out throughout the year Yakov Trenin in Nashville is like my favorite predator that's totally underappreciated it's kind of like the Mason Appleton in Nashville, basically, <laughs> if you want to know. But so they've got that Cody Glass who Vegas dumped off, right? Because they're always in win mode, in win mode. So Cody Glass finds his way from Vegas to another team 
maybe Philadelphia, then to Nashville. Cody he Glass. Had a, he had a bit of a resurgence, did he not? When yeah, he went to Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they're hoping Gustav Nyquist can, can work with them, but that's your second line. And the guy they just got off of waivers, Samuel Fajimo, uh, they they literally just got this guy off of waivers. And right now, Cat Friendly's got him listed on the second line. Um, Tommy Novak has third line with uh, Evangelista and Philip Tomasino. And then they got Trenton Sissons and Cole Smith, who's adequate i guess fourth line nhl value it's not deep on the roster um Dude, that that is that is not a playoff team <laughs> yeah, it's no. not it's not, not a it's not a team that's going to be a playoff bubble team and there's too many moving parts into this system as well right too many guys went out too many guys come in there's a lot of concerns with that however as has been the fact over the last several years UC Soros covers up this team's deficiencies, and this year is going to be the biggest challenge to see. And you know what, Kevin Lankinen, as a backup, he had good numbers last year. They're both Finns. They get along great. Apparently, Soros and um, Lankinen, although the name doesn't sound Finnish, they're both from the same country. They both they both came up around the same time in that country and after you know pekka rene it's kind of like that continuing success story that they've had I did not but i think they regress i think they regress Tim Biggs. Yeah. yeah no no look i've been following this central for a while now after them would have been st louis with the uh, ryan o'reilly former tie right and my big thing about st louis is they took one like what was remaining of their cup win in 2019 and basically sent it down the river, whether it's O'Reilly or like we talked about last podcast, who was the breakout of last year's playoffs for Vegas? Ivan Barbashev never should have left St. Louis. What's his face on D2 done? Uh, well, done, 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 done was the fifth best defenseman. They sent him off in the expansion draft. But even prior to that, over a non-movement clause, they wouldn't they wouldn't re-up Petro over the eight yeah. years. So he went to Vegas as a free agent. There's your cup right there. St. Louis and their former pieces is what puts Petrangelo, who probably should have been uh, more in discussion for the Norris Trophy. Like he, he's uh, or MVP of the playoffs. He's unreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that was St. Louis's old captain before O'Reilly. But they move on from O'Reilly. Um, the defense is all 30-plus. Jordan Bing. No, no more Tarasenko. I know he went to New York halfway through the year last year, but, I mean, he was with them forever, a staple, right? He was their game-breaker, yeah. and he still was. If you, look at, if you look at their stats from last year, see who, see who was uh, leading the team before the trade deadline in points. I'm pretty sure it was Tarasenko. Um, he was always up there. He's our game breaker. He was a guy that in his prime before the injury issues that he had um, where he has come back from, he literally, St. Louis could be down a pair of goals. Tarasenko could have a couple shifts in a period and the game was tied and St. Louis could find a way to win. Like that was him, his MO. And he's a cup winner, that whole group. 
But of yeah, that had, group left. He had a deadly shot and he had a moment. He he had a, an ability to step up in the in the in the intense moments, you know, like when the when it's down to the wire, when the game's on the line, Tarasenko's a guy who get that clutch goal. Yeah, and people will always say that about St. Louis's cup team about how they didn't have any kind of game breakers. It's like, no, they had Tarasenko. People forget. People forget really easily. But Colton Perenko, who was a second-pair defenseman on the cup-winning team, and that's a cup-winning team that included Jay Bolmeister, like triple triple crown club or whatever they call that, uh, Olympic gold medal, world championship, Stanley Cup guy, Jay Bolmeister, who spent all those great seasons in Calgary. He was there with Alex Petrangelo. Colton Perenko, who's now their cornerstone defenseman, is was basically a second pair guy on the cup win team. Yeah. But who wasn't there was Tori Krug, Justin Falk, Nick Letty, everybody that's there now. And that's their issue. And they're all 30 plus and locked in to who knows when. That's <laughs> just like that back end is egregious. And Jordan Bennington cannot play 50 games in a regular season. The year they won the cup, he came in halfway through the year and he pulled uh, Aiden Hill before Aiden Hill did it. He pulled it out of his hat. So when I look at Aiden Hill this year, I'm saying, don't be Jordan Bennington. Because St. Louis making the playoffs, Joel Joel Hofer is the backup. Great. What's interesting about uh, Vegas there, just for a second, is Aiden Hill was was the guy, the star who ran hot pull a rabbit out of the hat at the end of the playoffs um, or halfway through. Um, but Thompson was the all-star last year. So who starts the season for that? I would go with Logan Thompson. I'm, I'm telling you. I would you, think like, so too, probably, but it's interesting. In fact, I go repeat on Vegas, but I basically say with the caveat that after the trade deadline, Robin Leonard appears out of nowhere to be the starting goalie. <laughs> Little Kucherov magic, but in that, he's still signed. He's been on, he's basically been on a leave of absence. But Robin Leonard is actually still a goaltender with the Vegas Golden Knights. What's so, the deal with him? What, why was he, why did he stop playing? You know, there's personal reasons. Yeah. Like there's like mental health or whatever it is. It's not even physical health. It's just, it's a, right. there's not a lot of information on how Robin Leonard is on that but he did he's like on a leave so it was like a, it was like kind of like a carry price situation yeah but even with price it's almost still there's physical uh inability to be able to play there's not been a lot about leonard's physical injuries as much as he needed to break for mental health reasons like legitimately so anyways st louis not in the playoffs just like nashville not in the playoffs yeah. We got but, uh, so they drop all these cup guys. They 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 brought in um last year at the deadline, uh Kasperi Kapanen off the waiver wire, um Jacob Vrana, who was in the uh um players assistance program before Detroit basically traded him off. Um yeah, they basically Braden Shen's the new captain, but it's basically a bunch of uh uh little um you know, prime age guys that are basically are on their, their last chance. And then, uh, 
So I don't know. They got Thomas and Cairo. They're supposed to be building around. Yeah, and that's the two guys. Yeah, that they're building around now, signed to long-term deals, right? Yeah, so and the big years. yeah that kicked in. Um, but that this is the interesting thing. Last year, before the season started, I said, "What does the effect of Thomas and Cairo getting extended before the season begins, while your captain Ryan O'Reilly?" And a guy who won a cup like Ivan Barbashev didn't get extensions. And that's basically when you see that room turmoil that they had last year, that was it. Because you told your captain, Ryan O'Reilly, yeah, I'm going to put my eight-year deal on my 24 and 25-year-old guys, and we're not going to re-up you. That's what they did. A bit of a slap in the face, eh? Yeah, yeah. Now, they brought in Kevin Hayes, who Philadelphia has been trying to get rid of since they picked him up. From Kevin Middleton. fucking Hayes. The guy who stops himself from scoring a goal in the playoffs for the Jets. Remember? One of the greatest yeah. moments of time when he yeah. shot the puck at the same time stopped the puck on the goal line. You can't even duplicate that like 100 other, like 10,000 other times. It still would find its way into the net, except that one time Kevin Hayes. Yeah. It's up there with uh when the stars played the Oilers and and who was it? Uh the ex high prospect who who tried to shoot it into the empty net and missed the net, then fucking they go the other way and Hemsky scores to to win the game. Remember that? When I was thinking about Smith, what was his first name? Was it Steve? Like even earlier than that, put it in his own net in a Edmonton oh, Calgary. Steve, like, you're talking about Edmonton? Yeah, Steve, Steve Smith scored on, yeah. on on their own team off the back heel of the goalie. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like Kevin Hayes gets style points, you know? He gets style points for brutal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, you but, couldn't do... Dude, 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 he's good in the room, though, eh? You hear about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's good in the room. But this, yeah, a bunch of reclamation projects. It's not... Uh, aging defense, a goalie who can't play 50 games consistently. Look, I'm telling you, I like Jordan Bennington in games that matter in the playoffs. But the track record, and this is the point I was trying to say, is the year they won the Cup, it was really Jake Allen that won most of the games to get them there. The year, the last time they were in the playoffs, it was actually Billy Huso that won the majority of the games in the regular season get them in the playoffs so if st louis is gonna be better this year it's on joel hoffer who is the 23 year old you know entry level contract goalie that and he's going to be a good nhl starter but it's when he emerges behind jordan biddington because st louis they're the weight of jordan biddington with this D group and really they don't have the depth to compete in the national hockey league. That team to me is going to finish seventh already. So we're going to talk about the last two teams in the division that I don't think are going to finish as the last two teams in the division, Arizona, who I think is going to take a bump up and Chicago, who I think is going to be where they are right now when all is said and done. But earlier on, Warren, you were talking about matchups and level of competition. And so before we start talking about either Arizona and Chicago, my whole thing was, is 
there might be an argument that Logan Cooley actually wins the Calder Trophy from Arizona over Connor Bedard, and line matchups might be one of the reasons why. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. And I think that's a pretty crazy statement. I think Connor or Bedard all day, every day. But yeah, I mean, it's like you, you're you you can talk about zona a lot more than I can about like the, having the depth of scoring and having. Uh, if you can match up your 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 third line, your grind line, whatever, your best shutdown line against your best two shutdown lines, let's be serious, against the top line 24-7, then that team's going to struggle to score more. The top players are going to get less points. So what you're saying is the dude, I don't even know his name. What is, is it Logan Cooley? Yeah, Logan Cooley. Oh, that dude, that dude is pretty sick. Yeah, sorry. I, I, when you first said it, it, just went over my head. Now I remember him from World Juniors. He played for Team USA and he's unreal. But uh, I still don't think he's going to beat Bedard. But, okay, uh, but yeah, the, match, the matchups are going to line up better for him because Zona has more depth. Because yeah. the, the, the bottom six for the Blackhawks is just going to be atrocious. Okay, but even the top six isn't real for Chicago. Okay, so even you got... So if you can shut down Bedard and Hall and you got your best defensive pair and your other top unit, right? Um, most teams in the NHL are going to be able to do that. That's what Bedard's going to see every game. Now, with Arizona, their top line is Clayton Keller, who is an all-star, literally tied the Arizona record, right, for actual team in Phoenix in Arizona, not the old Jets 1.0 and Arizona record. Otherwise, that would be Ducky or Solani. Somebody, one of those two guys has got more points than both. Um, but he tied the team in Arizona record. Um, that was Keith Kachuk um, a year ago. Now, Keller, Schmaltz, and Hayton project to be the top line in Arizona this year. You can't just not have good players out against those guys or they will chew you up. Logan Cooley is going to be on the second line, likely with Jason Zucker and Alex Kerfoot, veteran NHLers. And Logan Cooley is all sorts of very talented. Now, I would take Connor Bedard over Logan Cooley. Okay. Logan Cooley was the drop before Connor Bedard. Okay. Still a top three pick. But anybody redoing that draft right now already says they would probably, like, who did Montreal take? The guy that got injured last year. What's his name? Off the board? That's the year that Shane Wright went to Seattle. Well, you're talking about Montreal. They got the Slovak guy. Yeah. Okay. Everybody redoing that draft takes Logan Cooley. Like, he should be in Montreal right now. But he fell all the way to fourth, and that's when Arizona got him. Okay, now I'll still take Connor Bedard one for one over Logan Cooley, but Chicago's team and Arizona's team, not at the same place in the rebuild, not even close. So Logan Cooley is not going to see the best defensive pair the majority of the game. He's not going to see the shutdown unit because Clayton Keller and his line will. And I yeah, think you'll get, you'll get easier matchups, but I'm just telling you straight up from a guy who watched a lot of Connor Bedard games. I mean, the guy had 71 goals and 72 assists last season in 57 games. Yes, it's junior, but you realize every single game they put up the biggest 
toughest, best players that they can. Every every time he's used to it, and every single time he steps up. And yeah, Junior, but this is same thing. This so, is a big jump. Like I know, I don't doubt that. But, but also, you know, I just say if you go back and look at Crosby and Ovechkin in their first years, Bedard's on their level. So, I mean, he's got to prove it. He's got to do it. But it was the same deal. Think back, Crosby in his first season. Their team was fucking brutal, man. They didn't make the playoffs. They were garbage. And uh, he still had huge points. He had, I believe he was over a point a game, too. So, I yeah. Just, and uh, I, think, I think I think the over under for him is 69. And I think anybody who thinks that it's, it's going to be 69 or less, like, I don't think so, man. I got that guy getting 80 points this year for sure. Yeah. But I think they both can be in that point per game total. I think it's going to be close. It might be one of those things where, you know what, it's going to be a lot closer than people think. With Arizona, too, they've gone through the rebuild, um, but they have picked up pieces that they brought in. You know what? Like, the other thing is they can they can have, like, Lawson Kraus, 20-goal scorer, and Matthias Michelli, who was, like, fourth in rookie voting a year ago, but basically point-per-game-wise was better than people who won like he had 49 points in 64 games played he missed time due to injury that's another guy that you know probably improves and look at the defense arizona's improvements made they got matt Dumba as a free agent to play with jj Mosier. they got sean dersey from la throw him with yusuf valamaki who they basically stole from calgary as a waiver wire pickup brilliant okay there's your top four then they get a guy like troy stetcher so underrated and uh and a big body guy like josh brown like basically enough enough that that's a decent group group of six right on the back end it's not gonna light anybody anybody's fire but it's competitive yeah and then corral vamelka and connor ingram who by the way Never mind all this talk about Oli Tolvalin being lost by Nashville last year. Before the season began, they needed to protect Connor Ingram, and they didn't. They lost him, too. They lost two top prospects they had in the same year by mismanagement. Connor Ingram was the other one. So, I mean, that's I always think back to that. I, You know what? I know I was hard on David Poyle, but, man, <laughs> did he make some decisions, man, like, Shake my head. So Arizona, to me, is the team that will take that step up. Plus, Andre Turnier just wins. You know what he's done with the Canadian national program before his junior career? Guys like playing for him. And how much do guys like playing for him? Traded away at the deadline. Last year, Nick Bukestad signs back with Arizona. Traded at the deadline. Troy Stetcher signs back with Arizona. I'm missing someone. They literally re-signed back to play in Arizona, and they all cited, you know, the coach as a reason. But you got a vet like Jason Zucker added to the mix. Alex Kerfoot, who's a great top nine guy. Those guys are definitely flying under the radar. I haven't heard shit about these pickups. It's kind of, yeah. now that you're laying it all out there, yeah, they don't sound too bad. They're going to be decent. They'll definitely be better than they were last year, without a doubt. Yeah, and Clayton Keller was just shy of scoring 40 goals last year, right? Like 86 points over point per game production. 
with this team and another guy who did not Nick Schmaltz did not play all year. He was hurt and he had 58 points in 63 games played near to point per game production. If he's healthy all year and Barrett Hayton back half of last year, when he was playing with those two, he was dynamite. He's a former first round pick. He's finally like, he's not going to be your starting goalie for Chicago, bro. It's not Mrazic, is it? Because that's what I'm watching right now. I'm actually a little behind. I, I just have it on the background here, and I just saw St. Louis score on Mrazic. I'm like, that can't be their starting goalie. Well, we'll talk about their other options in that because I, I wouldn't have It's Mrazic. not going to be as good as uh, – I always blank on his fucking name from Arizona, even though he killed us all the time. So good. What's their starting guy in Arizona? Amelka? Amelka, yeah. yeah you Chicago. know what? The Melka and Connor Ingram are going to do a 50-50 split this year. And who's ever playing better is going to get the crease more legit. Like that's the other thing. Arizona has good enough goaltending to be competitive, but Vemelka can steal games. But when he gets inconsistent, they have an NHL decent backup that they can go 50-50 with. This team didn't pick up a bunch of deadbeat contracts from other teams this year. They, they brought in Sean Dursey, who's about to enter his prime age at a great price. So there's a guy that can quarterback the power play now, you know, and, oh, we got Matt Dumba now to, you know, help out on the penalty kill, right? There, there's lay some big hits, yeah. Yeah, there's and lay big hits, right? Protect guys with talent. He's, he's one of the best open ice uh, hitters still drops like hip checks, like more than most people in this day and age. Yeah, he's he's pretty dirty. Dylan Gunther probably makes this roster. He played a handful of games last year, finished the year in junior, but had 15 points, 33 games played. Bottom definitely six role. Definitely had some love for Dylan Gunther, another uh, world of uh, world juniors team Canada fucking stud. Yeah, he's a great player. He factors to be in their top 12 this year. And again, being protected with maybe playing with a guy like Nick Bukesad as a as a line mate. Like yeah. that's the type of thing Probably that Eric, Yeah. So Arizona's got a nice balance of that. But the guys that are the veteran guys, whether you're talking about Alex Kerfoot or you're talking about Jason Sucker, are guys who can still contribute. They still got star players. It's maybe not the most exciting roster, except Logan Cooley, Dylan Gunther. Clayton Keller is only 25 years old. He's not, he's just entering his prime now. Almost scored 40 goals. This team is on the up and up. Okay. That team is going to cause a lot of teams to have difficulty. I think Arizona has got more in place than St. Louis and Nashville to make a climb this year. They're well coached. Well, and you sold me on it, man. Yeah, I can hear, I can see what you're saying on that. That's so, a good young core with some solid vets. Uh, picking up some guys in the back end and two goalies that can get you dubs. Yeah, but at least keep you in games, and that's it. But yeah. they're going to have, like I said, you add Logan Cooley to the mix. You add Clayton Keller is now in prime years. You're and and playing with line mates that he's now built chemistry up for two years with. That team has positioned itself in a place they're going to be able to move the puck. They're going to play less in their own zone. So you can say, okay, you know, Sean Jersey or Matt Dumba, maybe J.J. Mosier aren't good in the defensive zone. But if they're moving the puck out, 
because they're all skating puck moving defensemen, getting it up to those forwards and playing in the offensive zone. That's your best defense. And the goaltending's adequate to make, you know, saves above expected. Check out both those goalies' numbers for saves above expected a year ago with not as good of a roster. Top Are they bottom. still playing in that junior rank, that Mullen Arena or whatever? It yeah. Is, or they, yeah. yeah, yeah, and they do have to because they still the the big off season thing was that they didn't get the Tempe deal for the arena. Now, if you separate the on ice that they just can't get this rink situation solved to be in Arizona permanently, the actual on ice, whether you're talking about GM Bill Armstrong getting. Andre Tournier as the coach and the type of drafting that they've done and the core pieces they kept because everybody's everybody at the trade deadline last two years. Oh yeah. We'll just grab Lawson Krause. Oh, we'll just grab Clayton Keller. No, they're not moving that original younger core that is now going to be the prime age players of this group is actually in Arizona. They didn't trade Barrett Hayton away. They didn't trade these guys away. That's now their prime age players. Oh, but Dylan Gunther, Logan Cooley, and, you know, other players that they've drafted, never mind the two guys they got in the, what, first 12 this year? Like, what happens when they when they add, you know, that young Russian defenseman that they picked up and um, Danielle Boot <laughs> on the horizon? I think a lot of people underestimate the type of stuff that they did. They've even got a guy like Ben McCarthy. That's going to be like a bottom six guy, but he's going to contribute. And he's probably another year two out. Um, Shane Doan's son, Josh Doan had a great camp this year. He's not going to play. He'll start in the American hockey league, play top six, all situations, but he's a guy a year or two out that he'll fit in as a, you know, third line winger, fourth line guy and contribute with the pedigree of his dad. Right. Like when you talk about class acts of NHL hockey, like Shane Doan comes right up there. Um, that's good. Now Chicago polar opposite. They've got the best next generational player in Connor Bedard, but that is a tire fire of a roster. Absolutely. It's garbage. They shouldn't even been Warren. They shouldn't even been allowed to ice that team they put on the ice last year. That's that's my honest opinion. Like they tank for Bedard, but goal, but goaltending is legitimately the starting goalie Peter Morazic, who was statistically the worst of anybody that was in net. Alex Stalock, although injured and now. Where did we say he was? Somewhere in the Pacific Division trying to make a team. Is it L.A. or something? I don't think so because that's where Big Sid Dave was as a backup. It's one of the Pacific Division teams. Staluck was actually. San Jose Sharks? Maybe. 24-year-old Arvid Soderblom is the backup to Peter Morazic. Played 15 games last year. Was 2-10. and 10. He did not look good at all. And in fact, um, Jackson Stauber, who basically apparently will start the year in the minors, was the goalie that had actually the best win losses and then second to Alex Stalock. But Stalock isn't there. He's a vet. But yeah, um, 
Stauber, yeah, I get. Athanasiu, those guys are pretty solid. Okay, but Athanasiu on a cup contending team is on the third line. And I like uh, Kurczynski as a prospect on defense as well. Well, yeah, but okay, but, you, but they're not. They're yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like they don't have. I think the goaltending, the lack of goaltending, is a real problem, and they don't have four lines at all. They, they have don't have two and lines. One and a half, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, wow. they they have a top line that you could say is Lucas a top Reichel, six maybe. line. Well, it's Lucas Reichel, Lucas Reichel's good, and maybe him and Athens who I think is a third line NHL player, and Tyler Johnson, who in his prime was top six, but not at thirty whatever years old, and never plays more than sixty games any year since he's come over from Tampa Bay, and then the rest of the the bottom six is. That's a joke. Other than I, I got I got time for Jason Dickinson. I think he's a good player. But I mean they project to have Felino, Dickinson, and Perry as a fourth line. But this third line, look at this third line. Boris Kachuk. This is according to Cap Friendly. Boris Kachuk wouldn't he'd get cut for most NHL teams. Legit. Cole Gutman is kind of another late bloomer. He'd be like the uh who was the guy we're talking about from Nashville that kind of had a bit of a breakout? Tommy Novak? That would be like, Gutman would be um, Chicago's version of Tommy Novak. And Taylor Radish is about the only guy they traded for. Um, and actually, that was another deal with Tampa Bay where they got both Kachuk and Radish um, for sending Brandon Hagel to Tampa Bay before... Nashville got even more for Janot, if you can believe that. Um, crazy. Taylor Radish, I actually thought was going to be up there with Bedard and Hall. Um, they picked up Ryan Donato from Seattle, like third line. Like It's like one line and three third lines. And that's what it was last year. There's no Max Domi to score 20 goals before getting traded away. There's no Jonathan Taves. There's no Patrick Keane. But Connor Bedard's going to make up all the, that goal scoring? Well, he can't, make, so. he can't make up all the goal scoring. Of course not. I mean, I imagine they're probably going to be in the run for first overall again at the end of the year. And I think that's what they want. And look, I have no issue with Kevin Korchinski. But I mean, a, wouldn't you rather them... It, as a, if it's your team, if the Hawks were your team, would you rather them be complete bottom feeders for a couple seasons and get some top five draft picks that are unreal, than be the in the middle like Nashville and like Vancouver? You know, the the fine balance, the fine balance is that I looked at Chicago's teardown like Ottawa. When was the last time Ottawa was a playoff team? Now they're maybe I finally. expect them to be this year. They, they, How many years? Like I lost count. It's I, I been a while. Remember. Yeah, I can't remember. I right, but you could have kept and still got top picks. You could have kept like Mark Stone. You could have kept a couple of character pieces for how you want your organization to be. And they basically, at the time, said, "Oh, if you're over 25, we're trading you." That's not how you do it. And Chicago kind of did that last year. Like to Brinkett, who was like a perennial 40 goal scorer, 
and maybe they would have been too good, but I don't think they would have been because you just need bad goaltending. So trading for pre Peter Morazic and having Alex Stalock, who couldn't even play the full year as a backup guaranteed it. And the defense is atrocious and they didn't have a top nine, even whether you have. So to me, I looked at the team and said, Oh, uh, you know what? I probably would have maybe kept a couple guys. They're younger to 20 guys and kept those guys around. And I probably would not have signed Corey Perry and Nick Foligno to $4 million deals, even though Corey Perry prior to this has played for a million or less for what? Three seasons running because that's his real value. Um, and I probably would have said Jonathan Taves would be the best guy to teach Connor Bedard how to be a superstar and a two-way player. And they couldn't bother to, they just basically said, hey, we're not resigning you. Oh, and the guy that will end up leading the National Hockey League as the most points for an NHL U.S.-born player is currently rehabbing and looking for a new team. All day for Nick Foligno and Corey Perry over Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, who who's won more cups. If we, if we combine Taves and Kane over Perry and Foligno, who has more on ice value? And I know Taves has been hurt a lot, but they basically wanted to brush the old era right under the rug, but there's some stuff that they could have done that would have made this rebuild better. They are going to be. Let's be serious. He pushed his way out of town. He didn't want to retire a hawk. He wanted one last shot. Yeah, because Patrick Kane is still going to end up as the highest scoring U.S. points producer in history by the end of his career. He can still play. Now the Rangers weren't a good fit. I, I get that, but there there will be a team, and when he comes back, um, he's going to be. He's going to be a, a, a solid player. I believe that. You I know, we talked similar to, similar to Tarasenko, you know? Yeah. And Tarasenko's underrated too. But again, cup winners. But Tarasenko, one cup. Patrick Kane, three cups. Okay. Same with Jonathan Taves. Like you look at, you look at centers you want to develop, whether it be Connor Bedard, whether it be Cole Perfetti. You look at Minnesota with uh, Marco Rossi, a guy like Jonathan Taves, even if he's playing half the games, like when you talk about good for the room, but still good on the ice and just a winner. In a a non-sarcastic way, yeah. Yeah, no, legit way, right? Like that's... I I 100% know what you're saying. Like it would have been nice to have Hayes around to help kind of mold the kid and show him the ropes and kind of maybe get them through some of the rough patches, you know, because there's going to be a lot of them. Yeah. And look, so I think, you know what, Lucas Reichel, Connor Bedard, great players. I actually think, you know what, Taylor Radish is part of this group. Um, And I think uh, Kevin Korshinsky is going to be, you know, maybe the next Brent Seabrook for Chicago. Maybe. Maybe if he pans out correctly. But they still need a couple more pieces. And they gutted I think, this. I actually thing. think he'll be more like a guy you mentioned earlier, like a Jay Bowmeister type of player, the way he skates and shit. Well, look, if he can kind of find his way between the middle of what 
Duncan Keith was and Brent Seabrook was, that's a nice spot. But they don't win the cups just the with problem Duncan though, Keith. similar to, to for him is similar to Bedard on the forward side of thing is who's gonna help lead the way. Yeah. So they need to be bad for a couple more years to get them some more troops. You know, like when they got when they got who is slated to be the second line center, Lucas Weichel, in his draft year, everybody projected him to be a solid NHL third line center. And on a cup contending team, that's about where he would slot. But right now he's playing top six because Chicago has no one. So I, I you know what? If they were bad for Bedard. They're going to be bad with Bedard. But they may not be as bad as San Jose because San Jose is, they, they don't even have a Bedard. Chicago's going to be, if you're if you're picking like five teams that aren't making the playoffs and you don't have Chicago included, but the hype over Bedard is like, this team's all of a sudden going to be competitive. That is such, uh, you'd never watch Chicago to see that there is no supporting cast. Like, that's a, the big takeaway from this. Any central division breakout players you want to you wanna fire? We did that last time. Let's do that this time. Just random, if you got a couple, if you got any. Well, yeah, Platter Perfetti. He got 30 points last year. If he plays on a line with Ehlers and Nino, Ehlers, Ayafalo, getting more. Might, might get some power play one minutes. Definitely going to get a ton on the second unit. Yeah, I expect him to maybe I can see him doubling his uh, point production. So I, not that I think he didn't break out last year. and didn't make a name for himself, but I think he's taken on huge responsibility. You know, he's stepping into PL's, <laughs> PL's big goofy shoes. So, yeah, I that's my guy. Anybody else in the division you got your on? To break out. Yeah, whether you know whether you want to talk Colorado. Um, the, well, Colorado, they really have a veteran lineup now, right? Like, I mean, you know, a year ago you'd talk about Alex Newhook, but they traded him away because they're in win-now mode. But, you know, like, do you think Jonathan Duran has a, you know, comeback year? Yeah, that's it. that's super interesting. You were talking, like, before we started the podcast about that. I mean, he had chemistry with McKinnon. You don't see him jumping in right away and playing with him. But, yeah, that's that's one of the more intriguing ones for me. That was like a low-key, under-the-radar thing. You know, we could say if Bowen Byram gets to play 70 games, his totals for his points are going to look pretty wicked because he's that good. He just needs to stay healthy. If you look at Colorado, like health is a big thing on them. You look at Dallas, they've got the depth. Um, I do want to say Thomas Harley is a guy in Dallas to watch. I think how he does this year, never mind Miro Haskin, who may compete for the Norris, but if Thomas Harley, as advertised and as well as he was in the playoffs last year, him making a step up, that's huge for Dallas. That solidifies what about, what about Mason Marchman, though? Yeah, I mean, he had 31 points last year, right? Only 12 goals. And you said he's playing on a line with Sagan and who is it on the third line? Likely Duchesne. Duchesne? That could be a breakup for, for Marchman. It could be. I just, as long as they're, you know, contributing on it, but they don't have to carry the, they don't have to carry the mail. That's Look, what I mean. I got, though, so they can kind of I got, fly under the radar, right? I got, I got all day for Tyler Sagan. I got all day for Tyler Sagan, even playing top six still. Um, but 
like it's not even a requirement with that like and when we talk about arizona like i i, I think sean Dersey would be a guy to watch because i think he's going to get more power play he's not behind dowdy now um that's going to be interesting and i think uh logan cooley like i said is a guy to watch i mean if you're talking about chicago it's just connor bedard there isn't anything else yeah, to talk about. Yeah. yeah. And then that's the guy. And then with St. Louis, it's like, you know what? Like blow the blow the fucking thing up. Like Craig Baruby's on the hot seat, but that thing by the 20 game mark, Baruby's probably not the head coach. I'm not even sure that you know what's funny is so who wants to tell Craig Baruby that you you lost your job? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um nobody. maybe that's what the delay is maybe that's why he hasn't fired they fired every assistant coach this off summer they did not fire craig baruby like because you don't just just go and look at his career pins and that might explain that situation you just you you go you go i was trying to think of who's another enforcer that's around like (laughs) sign sign um uh larocque one day to be the GM. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, we got to go roll back. Well, I think breakout man. I'm going to double down on Jets and go with uh, Gabe Velarde, considering he had his highest points production, 41 last year and 23 goals. He's playing on the top six with the Jets with the guys he's going to get to play with. Starting off with Shifley and KC, who are elite players, all star caliber players. I don't see why he doesn't score 30 goals. You know. Eclipse the 41 points by, I don't know, 15, 20 points. Or if he plays with Ehlers and Perfetti, you know, who knows? He's going to get a chance to the, – the greatest opportunity that he's had so far in the NHL because he was primarily in, in uh, the five years previous playing third-line minutes and going up and down, actually, between the minor leagues in L.A. Yeah. Um, last year was his first – his, his, his breakout. So can you have a breakout back-to-back? You know, can you have back-to-back breakout seasons? Does that count? I don't know. But I think that's going to make a huge, a huge jump is what I'm saying. That's going to be an interesting thing as we progress to, like, as we're going to cover the whole Western Conference, is to see if L.A. takes a step back, giving up three guys for one guy, and Winnipeg taking it up tick because they've got more depth now because of it. Like, we never even got to talk about Jensen Harkins being lost on waivers. But you know what it is? A statement of the forward depth Winnipeg had. Because even if you look at it right now, if you went down to the end of end of camp, like you either what you're gonna put Gus on waivers. I would have put Axel Fajalbi, whatever his name is, on waivers. I would have. It would not have been Harkins. Gus, even though he had a good camp, he Gus Gus probably he had a great camp. But I think he clears. I don't like if, if if you just look at a stat sheet from last year, and I think people value him more in Manitoba. You know that you value your own players a little bit higher because you watch them every day and watch them grow in your system. But I think uh, overall the NHL probably doesn't look at Gus as like a as a guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, but I'm just saying, Axel, Axel, he's a waiver guy. He slides into yeah. the waivers like Axel is a waiver guy. I don't think he, he's getting taken as much as a guy like Gustafson because Gustafson's age and he's a center. There's there's something to be said. I don't think I want Gus on waivers, but I would have put Axel on waivers. I think he clears. And Harkins 
clearly didn't clear. And he had a good camp. I, it's, I'm, you know, what I'm happy for. And he's him. a younger guy. Like I, I'm actually surprised. That was, uh, yeah, I wasn't really happy with that one. Second round pick to to let like it's almost near to like losing a first round pick like Tovalin for nothing. Near to it. You know and, what first round pick I'd be cool as leaving though Logan Stanley. <laughs> can't believe Winnipeg traded up for that guy. Yeah, like I, 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 it just seems it seems ridiculous that that happened. <laughs> It's like, do you know what? If we had a future milk carton, like we could put him on it right now because we've been wanting him to get lost for a while. The giraffe. Yeah. Cross fingers, not wood. But you know what? There might be a team in the NHL that doesn't have the, the... No, everybody wants to play with speed now. Like, it's just so tough. It's so tough. Okay, we're going to wrap this. Maybe right, the we, Chicago Blackhawks because maybe they're still tanking for next year, maybe. Well, if they want to finish loss, Logan Stanley added to the mix would would help out in that regard. There you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. But it's like you gotta think big picture. You gotta think big picture. I don't even know like what, what you'd even ask for. Just like don't give us any of your players in return. They're give us the last pick in the draft. Like not even like I don't even know, but I, like that's the thing they want draft capital. They would almost want a pick plus Logan Stanley to take him on. Like that's that's how crazy it is. I, I don't even know. This is going to be a great year. Okay, so you basically had said like like I've got Vegas to repeat. You didn't you didn't even pick a cup winner. Like you're just going to hold out. Yeah, I kind of think cup winners at the start of the season. It's kind of stupid. Talk to me halfway through the year, and I'll I'll give you my opinion. But all right, we'll we'll be I, there. If I really had to go out on the on a limb, oh fuck, I can't do Vegas because you did Vegas. The repeats are so few and far between; it's hard to believe. Still think they're going to have a little bit of a hangover, but they're they're a solid team. Uh, Oilers are are they going to have enough goaltending? Yeah, Dallas is so good, so deep. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, if I had to, I'd probably go. I'd have to go Oilers. There you go. Let's go with. There we go. There we go. I like it. For Warren Smith, I'm Tim Bigelow, and this has been Sharpshooters. Remember, we're going to be doing this once a week, talking about the Western Conference and NHL hockey. Thanks for listening. They say that last is for the weak, so when I'm dead is when I'm sleeping.